Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm joined by Tom. Hi. And by Stu. Hello. For now, possibly a fleeting visit from Stu. Time will tell. <laughs> that was another awesome race, wasn't it? I, I, I absolutely loved that race. It was tense, wasn't it? It was tense. I enjoy a tense race. I enjoy those chase down races. Yeah. That sort of you, you don't well the ones that resolve in the last sort of few laps mm. are always so so exciting I, my heart almost couldn't take it like, especially <laughs> early doors before halfway like couldn't quite t- like the chase the, Verstappen giving chase early on and then is you know is there going to be fireworks the whole thing was just oh like my heart was like in my mouth for the whole thing it was crazy yeah, it, it there was a point early on where it felt like one of those races where everyone said, what on earth are Mercedes doing? They've thrown this away, which they then usually go on to win. And they nearly did this time as well. Um, yeah, it took a long while to play out, but it eventually did, didn't it? And it, I mean, it got him in striking distance, as AWS would say. Yeah, but... I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take any race where the top two are like, what was it, like 1.3 seconds apart or something at the line yeah, after an hour and a yeah, half of racing. And it, it got closer than that. There was like eight, nine temps between them at one yeah. point on that lap. Yeah. And yeah, Verstappen did just enough. He kept his tyres alive for just long enough it, it was, to do the business. It's always the compromise, isn't it? Like treating them kind allowed Lewis to probably close the gap a little bit quicker mm-hmm. than he may have been able to. But it's the it's the long game. Like it's, it's saving the car to be at its best when you need to defend. And... Yeah you essentially letting the other guy catch up a little bit quicker than you'd, you'd normally like to, but it's for the greater good, as I guess they'd say. <laughs> yeah, like, the greater it, good. It's, yeah. it's how you're going to hold your position, isn't it? Like, burning your tyres to try and keep a gap is, generally speaking, going to end badly, isn't it? Yeah. And it was, um, it was just one of those races where you were watching the two best drivers in F1 at the moment just both at their absolute best. The two best teams more or less at their absolute best. It was just like, just flat out racing for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I and- think like if you could, if you could distill the season so far down into one race, I'd say this race kind of encapsulates kind the of little microcosm, season. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It um, sort of ebbed and flowed, didn't it? Like at, at certain points, the Mercedes was faster. At other points, the Red Bull was. At the start of the race, the Red Bull was quicker. There's no doubt about yeah, that. The Red Bull was definitely. Plenty yeah. quicker than the Mercedes, but just not well, not plenty, not plenty quicker. Because if it was plenty quicker, he would have got ahead of him. But yeah, it was qu- quick enough to easily keep up with him. Yeah, and I think if Hamilton hadn't taken the lead off the line, it would have been a very different race. Yes, the the pace Verstappen seemed to have and not be able to use in that first stint, I think he would probably be able to stretch more of a lead in that opening stint than Hamilton was able to over. Yeah, I think, there's a, I think there's a chance Lewis might have struggled to stick with him. But but at the same time, there were phases came, where... It came back to him at the yeah. end, didn't it? So I think I think you'd have you'd have possibly still got the same thing play out, I think, because obviously the one, one of the reasons it played out like it did is Red Bull decided to try and undercut with both cars, which was... Yeah. It was really powerful. Like, the amount of time that that won them back... From and, being behind, like the the gap ahead of Lewis that they were out of by the end, because what he waited like two, nearly three laps after. In fact, it, it was wasn't it two laps even after Perez had paid before Lewis paid. Yeah, it was. 
So, like, it, they waited a long time, Mercedes. But I guess that was the, that, again, that's like the sort of a, a bit of a long game plan that they know they've been undercut and they're trying to put themselves in a position that in these closing laps that was all boiling down to, mm-hmm. they had a better option as in like a, a fresher tire that's that's done less laps at that point yeah and that, that was always the the goal i think at that point as soon as they realized red bull were doing trying this double undercut i think it always became that strategy call from mercedes was to let's go as long as we can on these first two stints to make sure we've got the tires at the end to fight for that position and counter the mm. undercut basically I, I think if there'd been one or two more laps mercedes probably would have won it but mm. they just didn't quite catch him at the right time. It was helped, I think, a lot by Schumacher by getting the slip by, by getting the DRS on Schumacher down yeah. the straight. Um, that made a big difference to Verstappen's yeah. at the end of Verstappen's race. And Hamilton, you could say, got really unlucky as well. And for some reason, Hamilton didn't have DRS down the main straight, whereas Verstappen did. And I think he must have just passed him just at the right point where yeah, I think he yeah. Verstappen got the DRS and Hamilton didn't. So that mm. saved Verstappen's race. So many fine margins. Yeah, just, but brilliant. All the same, like, you yeah, know, that's racing, isn't it? Like, it balances out. But yeah, yeah, yeah fantastic. Um, it was like, it was a super aggressive strategy for Red Bull as well. Like, Verstappen came in on lap 10 and Perez was lap 11. And like, the two that started on softs pitted around that time. Like, I think everyone expected them to go longer on that. And as you're sort of saying, Tom, like, I think they were trying to, like, lure Mercedes into following them, and Mercedes very much yeah. stuck to that. But it almost felt like the situation we've had a couple of times this season where the second Verstappen came in, Hamilton had lost the lead. I think even if Hamilton had pit the very next lap, the undercut seemed so powerful. I think he'd have struggled to hold the lead regardless. So sticking to the game plan and staying out probably was the best choice at that moment in time. Um, The bigger gap came after the second stint. So Verstappen only did 19 laps on the second stint and came in for an even more aggressively early stop. Um, While Mercedes have talked about extending their stint by like six laps at that point. Um, they were on oppo- completely opposing strategies at this point. Yeah, well, yeah it, it, different approach, it's more different, or less, maybe. didn't it? Like, there's there's some similarities there in terms of the stints that they've done, but they're in like a different order essentially. Yeah, so it's and, interesting to look back at. And yeah, just the, the fact that they both converged so much at the end there. Um, like Hamilton obviously had the pace at the end, but just couldn't. Well, Verstappen was fast in all the right places as well. Um, yeah. Uh, someone called Project F1, who writes in occasionally on Twitter, sent a really interesting graphic in um, that I'll send to you guys now, um, sort of analysing the the mini sectors and who was fastest between the two of them in those closing laps. And it's very telling that the part where Verstappen was putting the pace in and able to pull a bit more of a gap was the kind of end of sector one through the last of the twisties um, and then sort of the turn 11 onto the back straight. And it was like, he was just using the pace in those few corners. And yeah. that's mm. kind of, that's where he, he held the lead really, wasn't it? Like Hamilton, for the whole weekend, like Mercedes were ludicrously fast down that straight, but he just managed to always just keep Hamilton out of that DRS range. Mm. So um, the whole weekend is an interesting sort of 
oh here we go this is the graphic so like when you look at the pace that mercedes had on friday the gap on friday to red bull Mercedes, I think, have lost a bit of pace from Friday. I think they had to stiffen up. The, Martin Brundle said it, and I was already thinking it. They had to stiffen up their suspension, had to bring the ride height up a little mm-hmm. bit as well to to mitigate against the bumps. And I think that took a lot of pace out of the Mercedes. Yeah, I um, think so. And allowed Red Bull to pull some of that in. So I don't think all... It's, that's, a, that's a really interesting graphic. I don't think all hope is lost. For Mercedes at this point of the season, I still think there's there's venom left in this yeah, I th- in this championship. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I will say though, that at the same time, Red Bull found tons of pace on Friday night as well. Like three practice one and two, Red Bull were nowhere, and I think Christian Horner said they had um, Sebastian Buemi basically just sat in the simulator all night on Friday. Mm. Um, and yeah, like the way they turned around the pace to be. Well, they got pulled in there, like properly competing with them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it was a kind of. It, it went in both directions to bring the two teams close together. Um, I, like Perez was. I think if Perez hadn't have had that slow first stop, he, there's a good chance he'd have given Hamilton a hard time in that second stint as well. Like, as it was, Perez's pace dropped off for reasons we'll get into. So, I don't think. Perez was ever really realistically going to get second, but I think without that slow stop, he probably could have got in Hamilton's way a bit or, you know, forced him to defend a bit to give Verstappen a bit more of a lead. Like, Perez was very much poised to be playing a part in this. As we've been saying, like, the second drivers are really starting to play their part in this. Yeah. Um, I mean, Perez was only like, couple of hundreds off out qualifying Hamilton as well he was right up there with him this weekend so yeah like Mercedes said they debated at the time trying to match what Red Bull were doing but and didn't think that they would be able to keep the tires going long enough but in hindsight they think if they had pitted to kind of shadow Red Bull they maybe would have had a better chance of winning that way but I don't know for me just although it swung backs and forwards Overall, the Red Bull looked like the faster race car across the race distance. And I, I don't think there's a lot Mercedes could have done, really. Um, yeah, yeah, I think they were always on the back foot from a setup perspective, weren't yeah. they? Like, like you've already mentioned it, like the change that they had to make to accommodate for the, for the circuit itself. Yeah. They were always on the back foot. I mean, you watch Hamilton's laps in qualifying... And you can see how much of a handful it was. And Mm -hmm. like these drivers in these top cars, especially the likes of Hamilton, you're usually watching them drive and it's very smooth, precision movements at all times, no matter what. And there was a lot of back and forth kind of soaring at the wheel, fighting the car at times. And I think that sort of, that stamped the mark of, this is going to be a difficult weekend for them to stay on pace with Red Bull once, I think once it was, you saw that in quality. I think it was in Q2 maybe that showed a full on board lap from Bottas and it looked like such a handful throwing it around yeah. that track. Which is, yeah, like you say, it's just not what you expect from that car, is it? Um, which at a track which has very much been a Mercedes and a Hamilton stronghold for so many years now is, yeah. is a real I, surprise. I mean, to Hamilton's credit, I think his finishing position shows that it still is to a degree 
I mean, to finish where he did, struggling with the car, I think is there's still some credit to be given there. It might sound a bit like biased, like you'd expect him to finish <laughs> there, but I think considering they were struggling with the car, yeah, it's a good position. Yeah. Like that's that's the best they could have hoped for, realistically, in, all, in my opinion. Especially when that where Bottas ended up. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of what I'm comparing but, it to. But Bottas had a, a penalty, didn't he? he had a five plays grid penalty from his. But that's change. for new components that you'd expect him to be able to then utilize. Yeah, and for also a finish. Plus, I'd... if Hamilton was starting that position, I would expect Hamilton would have finished a lot higher up than Bottas managed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> I think I think this is a different circuit though to what it was the last time we were here even I think the fact that it is as bumpy now as it's suddenly become a really really bumpy track mm-hmm. like, I don't recall in previous races there it being as bumpy as this two and years think, ago there was that one massive bump because um, Vettel had the suspension failure there was yeah that, that like, was on turn nine round turn yeah, nine wasn't it but it was just like yeah. that one place then wasn't it whereas it's more of a whole track thing now isn't it yeah, so that's definitely become more of a factor. And I think that kind of evolution of a track over over the course of however long it's taken, what, two years, then that's enough to change the characteristics mm, of a circuit fair. where you do have to approach it in a, in a kind of a new way. You do have to raise the high, ride height. You do have to yeah. soften the suspension to absorb you know all those bumps. And that is a very different characteristic to a totally smooth circuit or or a, or a much smoother circuit than it was a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. you can see how like that could derail like some uh, particular team's dominance if 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 before it suited the particular characteristics of that car, like that kind of drastic change could really really take it out of the window, couldn't it? Yeah, no, that's totally yeah. true. And I think the heat probably played a big part as well. It was yeah much hotter there than it has been in previous years and than they anticipated as well. So. Lots of different factors. But like I said, like I, yeah, I think I think because of that though, I think there is still hope for Mercedes this season. Like, oh yeah, know, it's, there's, it's there's, not, there's it's the not running a give joke up scenario at all, is it? No, there's the running joke we've got of if Red Bull win at this so and so circuit, they'll we've had lots of people writing yeah, saying sure. exactly yeah, that. Yeah, um, I can believe that. Um, but the, that being the, said, well, just just to just to finish, yeah, sorry, Chris, just to finish my point, like they. There is hope because Mercedes Mercedes have found a lot of pace in recent races. And I think this was a circuit that maybe they were expecting to do really well at, but then didn't because of the, unchar- the unexpected characteristic change of the circuit. I think when we mm-hmm. go to Mexico, we've seen Mercedes bring the fight to Red Bull at places we weren't necessarily expecting Mercedes to be as quick or quicker than Red Bull, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, vice versa. And vice versa. So I, I think it's still the jury's still out on this season. I think we could even get to Mexico and Mercedes be as quick or quicker than Red Bull, you know. I really do think that. Yeah, you got got to remember the two like unknowns at this point, like the two circuits that we've yeah. never raced at in Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Like And that, the, yeah, yeah. The, you know it they've always been an unknown for for everybody. I mean everyone's got like a little bit of a a thought as to who they might, you know, who they might favor where, but a race like this just proves that, like you said, you know, you you can't rely on that. Mm-hmm. You can't like hedge your bets with that or anything. You you mm-hmm. you you're in a position where both teams are strong, and the slightest little compensation set up, yeah. uh, 
you know, have big ramifications sometimes. Abu Dhabi as well, to be fair, like, although they've only changed like maybe yeah. four or five corners, depending on how you count them, it could f- across the whole track, like it's a massive change to the characteristics of that the, circuit. Yeah. So the slow, time. the slow kind of clumsy chicanes are gone now, more or less, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They're also, they're becoming sort of slow to medium speed corners, aren't they? A lot yeah. of them. Mm. So, yeah. And they're going to be quite stressful. I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's not, save let's that for the preview. Into, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Several let's weeks' time. That. Um, um, all that said, though, I do think Verstappen winning this race is a significant result for the story of the championship. Like, we've, yeah. we've done a lot of looking at the remaining races, and this has always been the race that everyone has earmarked as, that's a Hamilton win. And yeah. it's not been. And that's, that's big, like... Mm. He's Verstappen's got a twelve-point lead now with five races to go, so Hamilton can. He needs to win two races with Verstappen second to uh, reverse that gap now. Yeah, but I think you know this, we said the same thing about Hungary and Verstappen. We had, we had Verstappen nailed on for a win at Hungary, yeah, and then Hamilton went and won it. Mm-hmm. So you know, like, and I I really do think like I think like it's such a topsy turvy season. That it's ebbing and flowing so much. Like Mercedes are gonna find pace in that car. Red Bull are probably gonna find pace in their car as well between now and um, now and Mexico and Brazil. Following that, so it's definitely not all over. I think you could still see Hamilton win races that he has no business winning, which he has done so many times in his career so far. Mm-hmm. And you could you could absolutely still see Verstappen winning races that he has no business winning as well. Yeah. So it's it's just it's on a knife edge, isn't it? And it's so so exciting to watch. I'm so pumped for the rest it's... of this season now. Like we've got, and let's not forget, we've got basically a quarter of a season left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, it feels like we're wrapping up. But actually, there's five races to go. That's that's a lot of racing. Yeah. It's because usually by this time time of year, the, the championship is basically over. The yeah. championship's yeah. I mean, done and dusted, and we've got. A, well, I mean, a couple of occasions we've had a world champion by now. Yeah, mm. I, Lewis has literally won the title. I think twice in yeah, the US now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's won one in Mexico as well. At least one, yeah. yeah. At least or, one. Or, might even be two, I think. Or yeah, around like yeah. Th- th- this is usually that point of the season where he's being crowned a champion in this in this yeah. hybrid era. Not this year. Not this year. No. Um Red Bull have also now closed the constructors gap to twenty three points, largely due to uh Perez's form in the last couple of races. Um Yeah, been solid. Been, been exactly what they need from him. In, I mean, yeah, fair enough. Bottas has had engine penalties and so on, but well, power unit penalties in general. But um, I mean, Perez has done a really solid job these last couple of races. He really has. Solid. It's to sort of move on to those two. Like Bottas was like watching a different driver this race compared to uh, Turkey, and I think like just looking at those two races kind of tells the story of why Bottas has never really pushed Hamilton for a title and isn't going to be in that team next year. Like, on his day, when he's good, he's nigh unbeatable. And then two weeks later, he's just stuck behind Yuki Tsunoda for half a race. Like, yeah. it's Yeah. I think, I think unfortunately for Valtteri, he will always be one of those drivers that is kind of a a circuit specialist i guess like he's got 
a handful mm. of circuits on the calendar that he loves going to. And if everything falls his way and he's he's on his game, does it like I mean we talk about Russia every season with Valtteri yeah. saying this is one we're earmarking for a Valtteri win or a strong finish, like you know, right behind Lewis and, and stuff like that. And there are circuits on the calendar where you look at those, like we were talking about earlier, you look at Texas and Cota and you think Hamilton, you look at circuits like Russia and you think Valtteri. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference between sort of him and your Lewis and your Max Verstappen and so on is as Stu points out, like Lewis Hamilton wins races. He has no business winning that he shouldn't be getting to the front of that pack. Max Verstappen does the same thing, like what he did in Russia. I mean, yeah, fair enough. It wasn't for a win, but to, to claw the places that he did in that scenario in the wet, like it was insane. So like they both have that. Whereas Bottas is just, Everything it feels like everything's got to fall into place for him, and and then he's still got to be on his A game because he's got these two world class class drivers yeah. to contend against for the win in the first place. Let alone everything else falling into place for him. Mm-hmm. It, it's a shame, but it is. Know, hopefully that might that might come good with a little bit of a pressure relief of being at Alpha. Yeah, hopefully, season. like. I will always defend Valtteri Bottas. I think he's a much better driver than a lot of people give him credit for, but it's weekends like this that have always been. They're the, these are the ones that let him down. I mean, yeah. I mean, remember what it was like at Williams. And remember what we all thought of him while mm. he was at Williams. We were all so excited in, in exactly the same way that, you know, we've been excited by what George Russell's done in, at Williams. And we've been like just desperate to see him actually go compete against Hamilton. It speak was the same yourselves. for Bo- it, Speak it for yourselves a- there. I, that, well, that's not me, but... Uh, no, I'm <laughs> showing like general general consensus is everyone's impressed with what George Russell's done at Williams and they're really interested to see what happens when he's in that car against Hamilton and think that he can Russell, take a fight yes. to him. Russell, but, yes. Russell, yeah. But I mean, there were a lot of vibes about Bottas in a similar way because when that, when that Williams was good, him and Massa were putting it on the podium regularly mm-hmm. and he was going toe to toe with an almost world champion and a very well renowned driver in Felipe Massa and knocking it out of the park every other weekend yeah. like you know every race we're going to he was on par and sometimes for the majority better than Massa and and that's why him going to Mercedes like he did wasn't a surprise for anyone after Rosberg's retirement I think and it'd be nice to see that Valtteri back where he is the underdog. There's less pressure of, because I think that maybe doesn't help. Maybe, maybe it doesn't go with his Finnish mentality. I don't know. <laughs> they like, they're very laid back. They're very chill. We see it from Kimmy. Like hmm. Kimmy's. For what? Kim, yeah. Like I, I just think there's a certain mentality and, and maybe that, that Mercedes team doesn't fit for, for Valtteri. Yeah, or the pressure of being in the best car on the grid, teammates to one of, if not the best driver of all time. Yeah. He's maybe quite a lot of pressure to shoulder. That's true. I guess we'll have to see how George Russell handles that, but (laughs) my instinct is he'll do a better job. But again, whole other conversation. Um, Yeah, so meanwhile, Perez, um, as we mentioned, he was only a few hundredths off Hamilton um, to start a third in the grid. Uh, He sort of stayed with the top two in the early phase, but then started to fall back. But... I think we can forgive him that, given that he didn't have a drink system for the entire race. It just emptied itself into his balaclava before the race, and they couldn't get it fixed before the start. 
Um, so he's gone from drowning to being dehydrated. Yeah, basically, one yeah. extreme to the other. Um, coupled with the fact that he was ill all weekend, um, he had, um, without going into too much detail, he had um, a poorly tummy, shall we say. Um, and I think like a cold on top of that as well. So he wasn't well. He's probably already dehydrated. Yeah. No drink in a very hot race. Um, he said he was like physically struggling from that 20 onwards. He called it his toughest ever race. Um, wow. And like he was really physically struggling, especially in like the final 10 laps or so. So I think the fact, the podium. yeah, the fact that he brought that home at all, let alone on the podium is a heck of a drive. Um, especially given that like he had so much support at that track as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think something like that and going into Mexico as well is what you sometimes see, isn't it? Like it it gets, I mean, they always say that being at a home race and having the crowd behind you is like an extra 10th or, or whatever, oh, just, men- just mentally. Yeah. But I, I think being in that, at that circuit, seeing those Mexican flags, because... There was a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of Mexican flags around, and there'd be even more next race. But like, be just being in that scenario is what like willed him on to just fight through he it felt and, like that, and come it? home for the result. Like that he the, got. This was always his home race before he had a home race. Yeah, but like Mexico is going to be wild this year. Like to have him mm. in a front running car, it's going to be so good. Yeah, it's going to be really yeah. exciting. I'm really, I'm really, really hyped for Mexico. Yeah, same. Um, moving on the Cler basically spent the entire race on his own in fourth place um, but really really good drive like pretty significantly ahead of uh, Ricardo behind him some nice tasty points for the team in that fight for third um, really strong drive from him I thought not much else to say really other than yeah, yeah uh, he didn't really do I, anything I think, except be yeah, fourth yeah. <laughs> I, I think that whole thing that I'm sure we'll get onto the others in a minute but I think the whole thing Ferrari McLaren played out pretty much as the three of us expected more or less like yeah I know I know I was I said I thought it'd be like you said one, it'd be one two like Zip one two one two and yeah. other than Bottas sort of sandwiching himself in the middle we ended up like that didn't yeah, we yeah basically I, I think the early laps as well showed that there were different strengths and weaknesses to both cars, and and it was going to be a close race throughout. So, I was quite, ent- I was as entertained by the potential there in the early laps as I was the Hamilton Verstappen fight yeah. at the front. And there was like, no matter where I looked on the grid, there was essentially somewhere to be watching, like yeah. something unfolding, and that's what's always good. Like a lot of people are phased phased by the fact that there's no fight for the front but this is like a race where you've got a fight for the front but you've still got everything going on down down the field as well i think that that was probably the most nerve-wracking for me the most nerve-wracking part of the race because my my fantasy team had (laughs) science norris perez um and bottas and russell in it and russell found like what five or six places off the line yeah. like from near the back. Yeah. A rare, came, good came start from George Russell. <laughs> mighty start from George Russell. Um, and then, what? yeah, watching Science, Norris, Ricardo sort of all taking chunks out of each other on the track was heart in your mouth. Stuff that opening me. lap was wild. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot I, going on there. You say taking chunks out of each other, 
by some miracle they didn't like they all came through that well, first yeah. lap unscathed which you yeah, know, I, I mean don't me- know metaphorically of course yeah metaphorically of course <laughs> metaphorical um, chunks so something quite weird went on with signs actually in that kind of opening salvo that wasn't sort of it was kind of lost in the broadcast because there's so much going on but on the opening lap he overtook norris off the track at the end of the back straight so he he knew he'd done it he knew he'd have to let him back through so he pulled over, well, he, he slowed down sort of a couple of corners later to let Norris back through because he'd overtaken him off track, fair enough. Yeah. Except he didn't. He actually let Ricardo through by mistake and he thought he was letting Norris through. So we oh. heard a radio message of them saying you need to let Norris by and Signs was like, but I let Ricardo through, I'll let him sort of thing and sounding really confused. So he then had to also let Norris past as well because he was the one he'd actually overtaken off track. But right. What Carlos Sainz did very smartly is wait until just before the DRS detection point to let Norris through. Immediately got DRS and just passed him straight back again. Oh, I remember Hamilton doing something similar to that in uh, mm. Belgium and not, not yeah, and it not flying, <laughs> losing a losing a win for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like smart stuff, but all I mean, you, you can forgive them for getting confused in that opening salvo. Um, yeah, it was. Signs was probably. In fact, he was faster than the McLarens. I think for most of that race, um, he managed to take the soft tires longer than anyone himself included seemed to expect to. Um, but yeah, just kind of couldn't get by. There was a bit of like banging wheels with Ricardo late on, which he complained about. I thought that just looked like. It was just, yeah, it was just, it was just racing. Yeah, yeah, it was just racing. I think, um, if anything, Ricardo oversteered a little bit on yeah. the throttle there, and it kind of just, it just stepped out a little bit on him. He caught it. It was, and it was the tiniest little step out. But yeah, that's just racing. And yeah, he, totally. it, it, to be fair, um, Science himself after the race did say he would have done everything yeah. exactly the same way Ricardo would have done. So I don't think there's any love lost or gained there. I think no. it's just race. It is just racing. Just team yeah. moment stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Sainz lost the place to Bottas like right at the end, as we mentioned. Uh, really good weekend again for Ricardo, though. Um, for, like Norris was faster through practice, but come qualifying, Ricardo seemed to find that extra edge, um, look the faster of the two through qualifying and the race, which is not very often we've said that, is it? Uh, nope. He really seems to have figured things out in that car. Yeah, he does, yeah. doesn't he? He's definitely looking much, much stronger in this sort of final final running of the season now mm. hopefully it'll con- continue into next year and it can it can start to really really wring its neck and well i mean it's going to be a different car completely isn't it, next year so it could yeah. be the same again with him but um it, it's interesting he, has, he is showing that he, he's got the good still for sure so yeah it's yeah. a good thing yeah it's interesting because um he was the guest on a um unnamed rival podcast say rival it's the official formula one podcast then we're yeah. not their rival <laughs> um no no but <laughs> It was interesting because he was talking about on that, um, A, just how much he loves being in Austin and how much he loves being in America, but also saying how important to him, like, not just, like, airport, hotel, racetrack sort of thing. Like, he likes to go out and see places and experience stuff and how important that is to his kind of mental state and how that translates to the racetrack. And, like, him being in Austin and having that sort of mentality, like kind of a perfect storm, especially as he also got to drive uh, Dale Earnhardt's car around as well, which he just yeah, like, that's grinned a for an entire car. lap. It was so yeah. cool. 
So cool. It was like it was definitely leaking oil, uh, oil burning <laughs> oil in the, in the thing and smoking because unless that was tire smoke making its way into the cockpit from all the burnouts, but it looked to me there was a few really really smoky shots. I think it was around everything. the circuit there. Yeah, that was that is an old car as well. But he definitely very, crunched very cool. a few gears on the way around as well. <laughs> Did he? Um, but yeah, like really strong drive from him and. I'd probably say like a fairly average weekend by Norris's standards. I mean, that was still eighth place, which a lot of teams would kill for. But like by Norris's standards, like average, I think he was definitely expending more from himself, wasn't he, Norris? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, just you, they can't all be. You know, you can't be one hundred percent perfect one hundred percent of the time. Um, nope. Yeah, it's um, just what it just it was an average weekend for Norris. Who else should we mention? Yuki Sonoda had probably one of his best weekends of the season i think um pretty clean um good pace he was the other driver that started on softs um which he used to get through to q3 for only the fifth time um managed to do nine laps on them but he gained a couple of places at the start we held off pass for a while as we said uh, he saw benefited from a couple of retirements but still he came home in a ninth place which is ends a five race pointless streak for him first point since hungary so good to see him just just having a clean weekend like every time he seems yeah. to be like building back up some momentum he just like makes a silly mistake and it all seems to fall apart again so a much needed result for him i think good yes. to see yeah i'm hoping it's something he can build from as well that like, I... Maybe no, it, it it was a little bit disillusioned that he was staying. I think wasn't he at one point yeah. when he said that he'd be staying for next season, and his response to it was kind of almost I don't even understand why myself. <laughs> I mean, it may have been like mistranslation, like it, as in he was maybe meaning more. I wasn't expecting it, but you know, it's yeah, yeah. it's it's a difficult scenario, isn't it? But I'm hoping that maybe the the settling in and the the confidence that knowing he's coming back, this is the like the results of that is him now starting to find form, getting used to the to the formula itself, and maybe have a strong end to the season that he can carry into next season with the new era regs and and yeah, you know if that Alpha Tower is competing and being up there where Gasly usually finds himself on on good days, yeah, be good to see. Um... The last driver kind of of the list of significance to mention is Vettel. Um, there was like a weird sub battle in qualifying <laughs> where him, Alonso and Russell were all taking engine penalties. So they were always going to be the last three on the grid. So they had this strange battle where none of them wanted to progress to Q3 because it would have messed up their tire choices, but they still wanted to beat each other. So Vettel was like massively celebrating qualifying <laughs> 12th just because he was ahead of Alonso and Russell. Which was a fun little like sub subplot to the whole thing. Um, so yeah, he started eighteenth. Took the um, he started mediums longer into the race than anyone else. He did seventeen laps on the mediums in the first stint. Um, then yeah, had like really good pace on the hards. Made some really good overtakes. Uh, came home in tenth uh, to nab a point after Kimi threw away tenth place in the closing laps. Um, really good drive from Seb though, like. Very good damage limitation from a, an engine penalty weekend from him. Yeah. Good to see. Um, and that's sort of all the main things, I think, from the race. Unless there's anyone else you can think of you wanted to to mention. 
I guess called the main protagonist. I guess we didn't he? talk about Alonzo's various exploits throughout the race. <laughs> the exploits of Alonzo. Yeah, like he seemed to be. He spent a lot of time fighting with one or the other um, Alfa Romeo, and there was lots of he was off the track. No, you were off the track. Business going on, which were it's a shame because there was a lot of good racing there, and it was all just a bit overshadowed by the shenanigans, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Alonzo shenanigans. I said there was going to be Alonzo yeah, shenanigans. Yeah, and there sure were. I was expecting turn one shenanigans <clears throat> more from him, but that, that never materialized. But definitely I mean, it, yeah, it, over the course it, of the race, it He did well, have it did some actually. shenanigans in turn one. He just wasn't one, yeah. the lap very one. first <laughs> yeah. turn one. Yeah. Lap, lap was true. not specified. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... thought it was a bit petulant, me. I, like, I've heard some of the radio messages as well, and mm. he was effing and jeffing and getting all sort of... Yeah, yeah get a bit much. It just seemed a bit, it seemed a bit over the top. Some of it to me. It My was... sort of main takeaway from it was, you can't moan about someone passing you off track if you're the one that forced them off track in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there was a lot of tit for tat. So that once that happened, he got, he got, they sort of got Italian off for it and got forced to give the place back. So he gave the place back, and then, and then it, literally on the radio, he's right, right then, I'm basically announced what he was going to do. Yeah. And just out, he's like, right, I'm going to use all of the track then, as if to say, you want to see me use all the track? I'll show you all the track. Then he immediately late breaks later than, yeah, way later than he should to, well, yeah, way later than he should to get around, uh, it was down the inside of Giovinazzi, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just a bit silly. I just don't. And, and then there was all that, oh, uh, Michael, um, just wanted to double check. Are you allowed to overtake off track? And Michael Massey's like, no, you can't overtake off track. Like, oh, funny, because that definitely happened to us. And like, Michael Massey had no time for that conversation, did he? Which no. you cannot blame him for. Yeah. yeah. Just all a bit just, silly, really. Just childish, like tit for tat almost as well. Like, just not, I'm not interested in that. I, I want, I want grown up racing, please. Not- yeah. Yeah. Not going down the cart track on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> for League One carts and now the all the dads screaming at each other. <laughs> um shall we pick a driver of the day? Yes. I know who mine is. Okay. I, mean, I, was, I feel there's a lot of drivers you can make arguments for, so the fact that you've got one in mind is is good probably. Uh, I kind of want to direction. I kind of want to say Perez just because of what I know he's been through. <laughs> yeah. I want to say Red Bull as well, but it's not Perez. It's actually Verstappen. I think yeah. Verstappen killed it. Yeah, that to, it. the way he kept the tyres alive that last stint to be able to defend was phenomenal. Well, just the hanging on in dirty air as well through the whole yeah. first stint. Like, that's what really kept his race alive. And then mm. the, the strategy was perfect. Everything It was a super aggressive strategy, but it worked absolutely perfect for me. It was perfectly executed from him on track. Just, he won the race with it. I, I think if he doesn't drive a perfect race, then he doesn't win the race. Yeah, yeah totally. He had to be perfect. Absolutely. And, um, the, you know, the only real slip-up was his his getaway at the start of the race. Yeah, basically. From the grid. That, and that wasn't that was only two hundredths sorry two yeah two hundredths slower than Hamilton's getaway yeah so yeah. his reaction time at least so um, yeah I can't really dock him driver of the day points for that um, no. so he's, he's he's my driver of the day that's that's a convincing argument I mean I th- that is my serious answer I just think Checo deserves some credit for what he went through big yeah. time yeah yeah <laughs> but my, my, my serious mention. answer is Verstappen for the record. 
And I'd like to have seen what Checo could have done in that race had he not been ill and had something to drink. Because I think he could have given Mm -hmm. Hamilton a a hard time at points. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like honorable mentions, I think you could probably make an argument for possibly for Vettel, definitely for Leclerc, obviously for Perez. But yeah, I kind of agree. Like Verstappen was... Like you, you put it perfectly. Like he had to be perfect, and he was. Like one lock up on the, especially on that last set of tires, and it would have been game yeah. over. And exactly. He, yeah. All in agreement. Easy, Rare. Easy, all easy. in agreement. That's that's a very easy drive of the day for a change. Um, what about move of the day? Hmm. Well, I mean, could it be? We don't always. It doesn't necessarily have to be like on track action per se like the undercut that Red Bull went for that aggressive first start strategy move kind yeah. of set everything up didn't it that set everything in motion for them um, and it, it forced Mercedes's hand so I think maybe not necessarily it will be move of the day for me but it definitely was a strong candidate if like it, it just set a lot up, basically. It was as good as a strong overtake or something like that because it was. It just forced Mercedes' hand. Like, it yeah. forced them into a particular yeah. strategy and into a corner that they had to react to it. The, um, the two that I had in mind were both at um, the long right hand, the, the reverse turn eight, which, yeah. weird, <laughs> weirdly, it's not as long a corner as turn eight at Turkey, but. In Turkey's turn eight at Kota, it's turn sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, which is weird yeah. to me. But yeah, they, they count all the. It's just so Kota can have more corners than yeah. most of the tracks on the circuit. That's the but only reason. That corner, anyway. I think it was the first or second lap. Um, Ricardo went up the inside of signs through there when they were yes. having the, their massive duel. And then later in the race, Vettel went around the outside of Russell at the same corner, and both yeah. of those were really mighty moves. Mine's the Vettel one. I was going to say the Vettel. The Vettel around the outside of Russell was very, very, very strong move. Yeah. yeah. Um, of of so the it, two, that's probably the one I would lean towards as well. Yeah. But definitely honourable mention to um, Tom's. The only reason I don't give it that is because I, I do prefer, for me personally, I prefer to give it to stuff that's actually yeah. on the track. Rather than yeah, yeah, like I say, it was it was more just a, calls. It, we we tend to fall back and give it to that when when nothing there wasn't there wasn't like a huge <laughs> move, but this race did have plenty of those kind of yeah. moves, so it's easy well, to pick I'd, one. I think uh, well, I mean, there's another one. There's another really obvious one as well, and that's Hamilton's getaway and you know doing the business into turn one because Verstappen did. You know, we did lean on him into turn one. He absolutely yeah, pushed him into the so. corner. I mean, just going uh, going back to it, I think that's the only smudge on on Verstappen's like drive of the day for me is that start because the thing for me, the the mistake that he made was trying to squeeze Hamilton on the way up to turn one, and he became his own worst enemy. Just going yeah. back to that because the reason he got pushed out wide and the reason he lost the places is because. He forced Hamilton into taking that corner at a ridiculous angle from so yeah. far mm-hmm. on the inside. If he'd have just left him alone, he probably could have actually put up a better fight around the outside by staying on the circuit and having room. And I think that by pushing Hamilton all the way across, he was always causing Hamilton's trajectory to to push him out wide on the corner because there's no other way he can make the corner <laughs> from the, yeah. from the position that he put him in. Yeah. So imagine if he—that's the only he, smudge on his on his weekend for me, Verstappen. That's the only if one. He'd, 
if he'd come second in this race, that is where he would have lost the race. Yeah, absolutely. But as they always say, you can't win a race in turn one, lap one, but you can definitely lose it. Yeah, and that would have been he would have lost the race though if he'd not had such a mighty car and a perfect drive and a very very good strategy. So yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but we're giving it to Vettel around the outside. Oh yeah, he's got to be Vettel around the outside of uh, George Russell, I think. And then final award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? We've we've had well, another week of many nominations for this. Yeah, one, this week. It, it always feels pretty fitting giving Vettel a move of the day award and then going into that. It does, yeah. <laughs> um, I I think we all know what this is gonna be, so I'll just quickly mention the other ones that we had nominated. Um, there's the fact that the more engines Bottas takes this season, the smaller his penalties are getting for taking them, which is a really, <laughs> really weird quirk of the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I swear if he takes three more engines, he'll be gaining places on the grid as a result of the grid's <laughs> going. Um, there was the Red Bull mechanic running someone over with a tyre <gasps> trolley in the background of I an interview. I saw that! Yeah, that was so... Oh, but it's like bizarre. We were talking about that this afternoon in Discord, actually. You could we just kind of... Like, because it was Karun doing the interview, wasn't it? You could kind of tell that he had noticed and just sort of carried on <laughs> ever, with the interview yeah, as if ever it the professional, happened. ever yeah. the professional Karun Chanduk. But like, it wasn't just like she got nudged and I carried on. Like it unfolded for ages, and more and more people were turning. She was being really dramatic about it. Wasn't Very she? dramatic. Can't have hurt, oh yeah, can't have hurt it that didn't look that bad. I mean, it uh, was right into her Achilles by the look of it, so it probably did hurt a bit. But I don't think it was like. <laughs> Get get on the floor, bad was it? <laughs> so <laughs> funny, but yeah. um, crazy, crazy. But you know that that can really hurt. That actually, I've had plenty of skateboards go into my ankles, and I can tell you, it bloody hurts. So <laughs> something yeah. the size of that being pushed, at, it wasn't pushing it slowly. I don't they don't mess around, do they? No, they don't. Yeah. Like that, that, that was. That did look painful, but it, yeah, it was just a bizarre situation to see I mean, it unfold in the background of an interview. The Red Bull mechanic probably just wanted to get it all packed up as quick as he could so he could go yeah. party after that race. Literally. <laughs> um, we have to mention the, the radio. Oh, to sorry, Michael just, just st- still, still on that as well. It does say <laughs> danger of death on the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't think being run over by a tire trolley <laughs> is quite what I had in mind. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, we shouldn't laugh. Next one. <laughs> yeah, we, we we should mention the the Alpine radio to Michael Massey and Michael Massey having absolutely none of it. That made me laugh a lot. He just like sounded so exasperated and just like out of patience. Like we're not having this conversation. You already know we, the answer. We need a more specific bingo square, I think, for the Discord where it's like Massey's having none of it. I know we have yeah, um, that's Brian good. Brundle's that's having good... none of it, but we need a Massey's having none of it. Yeah. Wes, I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> next one. The answer, though, we all know it's the answer, is just everything about Shaquille O'Neal. Like, oh, yeah. he turned up in his giant Shaq mobile. He was walking around holding the trophy <laughs> as if he had won the race. <laughs> then he gets up on the podium and he's still taller than almost everyone, including Hamilton, who was on the podium. And then just like the absolute peak for me is when he just stood between Lewis and Max for no apparent reason. And the whole way through the anthems, you could see the two of them kind of like side-eyeing, like, what's, what's he doing there? Why is he still this close to us? It was just like the second, he, the second he turned up, you knew the whole podium was going to be completely derailed and he just, he did everything I hoped he, he delivered. would in the best. Yeah, he, delivered. he absolutely he delivered. He's, um, he's such good value. 
that whole time you could see on Big Shaq's face that he knew he was he got oh, it. He knew it, he'd slipped up, and so he, he just had this like stoic look on his face, as if to say. I know I've messed this up, but there's literally nothing I can do right now. I've just mm-hmm. got to stand here and absorb <laughs> this pain for the remainder of this long, long national anthem. That was that felt like the longest national anthem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was so funny, and the memes that came from it as well, like the teeny tiny, oh. the whoever shrunk the. Uh, the, the, the drivers on the podium and made him well, I think they just kept him the same size but made the character oh my god I, I, I was yeah. in stitches I couldn't I, stop laughing at that it's like I said to you before the, before we start recording like even just the, the plain shot of him standing next to them is comedy it's value so on its own like the, the edits just the memes just add and, to it and also the fact that when he turned up in that car thing he was like pretty much filling the back seat on his own and then the next shot what looked like the <laughs> entire red, red bull, bull team were in there <laughs> taking up the same oh, space he was piled in it was oh so good it was just a weird day in general for like very small and very tall people close to each other like because Danica Patrick was there for Sky all weekend. Danica and Patrick is tiny. She's yeah, she's much, a lot shorter she's like than five I thought one, she was. I think. So like, yeah. you know, like most racing drivers are small, but like she was stood next to Jensen, who's like relatively tall for a racing six driver. Foot two, isn't it? Yeah. Jensen, yeah. So yeah. she already looked short then, and then for good measure, just like a basketball player all to turn up as well, <laughs> just to like hammer it home. Ridiculous. There was so much weird like perspective stuff going on. It was very strange, but. It's just Shaq. It's just Shaq being everything you'd want him to be. Yeah. Was, every, every, he's all day. Like, every time American I see, TV personalities. Every time I see any mention of it, I just start laughing at the whole thing all over again. It was so entertaining. Anyway, yeah. that's probably enough. I think just like a final thing to say was just, as well as being a fantastic race, it looked like such a good place to be this weekend. Like it's yeah. always been like a fun looking race to go to, but this year we just like, Looked like another level. Like it was a complete sellout. Everyone seems to be having an amazing time. Like it's it's near top of my list of like races to go to now. Fingers crossed. Next year I might actually end up going because it just looks like the best thing. Jeff has just posted a picture of Shaquille O'Neal and Danica Patrick together, and it's just completely derailed yeah, the podcast. Derailed Tom and Stu aren't even listening to me anymore. <laughs> I'm just staring at that picture because it's insane. <laughs> outrageous isn't it that is the size i mean she's literally half the size of him yeah (sighs) wow that is crazy anyway 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 right i'm gonna do some predictions while you stare at that picture um okay it was a good week for you actually Stu. you got two points um good week you were the only one out of the three of us to get to you failed to submit, but I was nice and did it manually for you because I'm, I'm a good you. person. I mean, it's difficult when you're working nights. It's, you oh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you off for that reason. We have all week, but I'll let you off for that one reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in terms of listeners, uh, quite a few people picked up three, so I'll just run by names. It's Scott Neal, Ellie Smith, uh, David Moore, Jeremy Musgrave, Bruce Capstaff, Beefy Miracle, love that one, <laughs> uh, Chris Kauras, uh, Thomas Bright and Tim Fosfat, you've all picked up three points this week, so well done. I mean, vast majority of people going for Max Verstappen double there, uh, and nearly everybody out of those three pointers actually got Carlos Sainz right in seventh place as well. So I'm, well done to you all for that. That's, I'm really that's annoyed a by that. Good shout. I got the logic spot on. I just picked the wrong Ferrari driver. Yeah. I'm really annoyed by it. I I've annoyed myself a little bit by 
remembering that I was like in seven, eighteen for the <laughs> yeah. number of finishes that that's irked me all weekend. But it is what it is. Um, in terms of overall standings, though, Stu, you actually Hello. lead the whole thing, mate. Yeah, winning the whole thing. Winning the whole thing, mate. We're not giving um, you a prize if you win. Yeah, just in, saying that right now. Absolutely, and, I, and I'm having my five out of five t-shirts as well. Absolutely, <laughs> not giving backdated. you a thing. <laughs> um, in terms of people that matter in the leaderboard, <laughs> <laughs> Nate Everett is currently Cold. second. <laughs> He's on 27 points behind your 28. Stu, just look, if, look at the end of the, if no one wins it. I, as far as I'm concerned, if no one beats me, no one gets a prise. So the, oh, wow, the target the is on my been back. Thrown down. Yeah, the target is on my back now. You've got to beat me. Yeah. If you want that to was the moment the predictions league died. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, or, I mean, it could also be famous last words. Stu's got to be very careful here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be that I'm rubbish. Stu's not going to score a point for the rest of the season. <laughs> to be season. honest, yeah. as, as long as I beat you two, I don't care. Yeah, that's the real fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of everyone else, though, like I was saying, uh, Nate Everett's second behind you, at one point behind you on 27. Uh, and then there's a few people tied for third. So you've got Michelle Byrne, Charlie Ray, and Alex Taskov all on 26 points. And to be brutally honest, like, Everybody over hundredth place is on twenty points. Wow! So there's still so much to play for. Yeah, and to be fair, of course, of course, if I win it, I won't be the person to get the prize. Whoever (laughs) is behind me will get the prize (laughs) because we can't just be awarding prizes to ourselves. Um, Now that we've done predictions as well, I'm going to go back to work. So okay, I'm sorry to hear that. He just wanted to be here for his moment of glory. Yeah, basically, my moment of glory. That's all he wanted to be here for. Unbelievable. (laughs) Time to take just a moment away from this week's episode to talk to you about the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped. It includes their new lawnmower version 4, the waterproof trimmer with advanced skin safe technology. And it now even comes with a travel lock, meaning no more embarrassing activations in airports and the like. You can get 20% off the package by heading to manscaped.com and using the code BOTG. You will also get free shipping on the whole box. It also includes the nose and ear hair trimmer, known as the Weed Whacker, as well as the Crop Reviver Toner and their Crop Preserver Deodorant. Manscaped are trusted by over 2 million customers worldwide, and that includes the three of us. So remember, if you want to get 20% off the brand new Performance Package 4.0, head to manscaped.com and use code BOTG. That's manscaped.com and code BOTG. A quick mention before we move on of W Series, because they had their final two rounds at Cota this weekend. Um, Jamie Chadwick won both races to secure her second uh, championship in the series. Also gets her a nice 15 soup license points, which I'm pretty certain gives her now the 25 she needs for a F1 free practice super license. So Williams, you know what to do. Because she is a Williams development driver. I really hope she moves on to something like F3 next year. I think she's totally proved she deserves a spot on her, you know, another rung up the ladder. So really hoping she makes some kind of move like that. Special mention as well to Abby Pulling. She's um 18 year old. She's been one of the reserve drivers this season. Um, So she's just like stepped in when other drivers haven't been able to take high in the rounds. So this was only her fourth race this season. She managed to qualify on pole for the first race and got a fourth place and a second place across the two races, 
which means despite only taking part in four of the eight rounds, she's actually managed to finish in the top eight in the championship, which wow. guarantees her a spot on the grid next year, which That's is awesome. super impressive. Yeah, like she's she's going to be one to watch next year for sure. There's a lot of like 80 and 90 year old drivers on that grid who've like, you've seen the improvement throughout the season. So yeah, yeah, going to be exciting to see. I suppose there's credit to how close that is as a series as well. The fact yeah. that she's not competing in every single race, but because she's had strong results in the one she has been in, it's helped her. Because, I mean, imagine coming in to Formula One for four races and picking up a couple of podiums, maybe. Yeah, exactly. You'd be like, nowhere near the top by the yeah. end. So it just goes a long way to show how close W Series actually is. Yeah, it really does. Like, there's a lot of drivers in that series who are really like showing they've got the goods and like you can, you can just see the improvement with a lot of drivers because you know like yeah. a lot of them have really struggled to get track time in anything so the fact that i've got like stable seats in a series it's it's good to see that going on so yeah, yeah just it's been really nice seeing it as part of the f1 um support uh calendar as well um really seems like it's going from strength to strength that series so they've already said they're hoping for an even longer season next year um so yeah, looking forward to seeing it. Really, really entertaining stuff. And now I think we can we can move on to a bit of inbox. Keep me saying now. Stay, stay up. Box, box, box. Hey man. <laughs> I'm a, Cody. Am I calling you Body Coat like Studios or Cody Boat? Whichever you want, it's you. You're up first. <laughs> this year there was a massive turnout at Cota, um, also possibly because of no COVID restrictions in Texas, uh, and the race has even been broadcast on ABC, a public channel that anyone can tune into and watch. Because of this, do you think Liberty will try and push for more races in the US? Um, uh, I mean, we're already getting two next year, aren't we, minimum? Yeah, we've got Miami next year. There is these rumblings of a Vegas race as well. Um I also think see, it definitely does feel like the popularity is growing in America. I think a yeah. lot of that's probably off the back of um, Drive to Survive and yeah. just kind of the general marketing Liberty have been doing. And I think as a kind of side effect, it probably makes the races in Canada, Mexico, Brazil a bit safer as well on the calendar because obviously they're in the same time zone. Um I definitely think they're going to want a race on the West Coast, though. So I, I definitely think, if not Vegas, then somewhere else on the West Coast is going to be within the next few years, for sure. Streets of San Francisco, up the hills. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be like, it'd just be like turn one <laughs> at Cota on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it would be interesting to see. I, I think that I could see like an argument for doing something that's maybe a permanent track race like Kota and having some sort of alternating street circuit like biannually or something. So you, you go Miami one season and then Vegas the next and they, they alternate or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. The, the one thing I don't want to do is, is sort of try and end up cramming in tons of US races just because they want to take advantage of that market like it still needs to stay global for me like i i'm yeah. perfectly happy for 
some race there to be less races in Europe so that there can be more in North America. But I'd also like them to be well, not even just North America, like North America, Central America, South America. Just like they need to be everywhere, don't they? I think that's yeah. that's the key yeah, absolutely. thing. Next question from Sarah. Uh, a few years back, I know that at least one driver, I think it was Lewis, uh, sometimes did not have anything to drink available in the car to minimize weight. Do every driver, um, does every driver have fluids available to them nowadays? I do kind of remember that. And I think I'm right in saying that at the time some drivers were doing that, the weight restrictions were a little less strict, whereas these days the weight restrictions are so tight and so strict it's kind of all wrapped up in it. And like, I don't think, I don't think there's an advantage these days to not having that extra bit of weight in the car, basically. These days. Yeah, it's a little bit like the whole issue we went through with driver weight and the way it was, the, the way the driver's personal weight was factored into the overall car's weight as part yeah. of, of hitting a particular figure. And it led to the taller drivers like your Jensen Buttons of this world being unhealthily thin, like unhealthily underweight because they were taller and they were having to lose a ridiculous amount of weight to to keep up with the smaller drivers who could obviously maintain like a, a healthier figure but be at that lower weight that the, the teams wanted to be at. And mm-hmm. a lot of rules got changed because of things like that. Um so I don't know about it being regulated specifically for water or drinks, whatever it is that they're putting in there, but I'd imagine that there's maybe something in there. Although there are certain drivers that like you you never like hear that uh, Kimmy's classic for Kimmy's drinks are always broken. <laughs> but then there's other drivers that you sort of never hear them. Like everyone sort of has a little bit of a moan about it in some way, shape or form. Yeah. But I, I must admit, like it's probably just not worth broadcasting. But like Lewis, you never really hear that, do you? But it, it probably just is one of those radio messages that's not worth the time to broadcast for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Um, next one I'll read. Uh, Dennis is asking, with Perez seeming to have now found some good form, do you think Red Bull can still win the Constructors' Championship? And my answer to that bluntly is yes. Yeah, same. I think if Mercedes want that constructors, they're going to need to start thinking a lot about uh, making sure Bottas is ahead of Perez as well as getting Hamilton ahead of Verstappen. I mean, I'll say now that regardless of who wins the drivers, because that's going down to final race, I'm probably I'm pretty happy saying now Red Bull will win that constructors title. Based on the season, based based on current based on current form, essentially, yeah. The I I think that no matter what happens, drivers wise, whether it ends up being Lewis or Max, I think Red Bull will beat beat Mercedes to the constructors because I think, especially with the races coming up like Mexico, you'd expect a strong result from Perez, Mm -hmm. just as an example. So I think doing that whole um, versus thing that we did for. Hamilton versus Verstappen to try and see who might be the driver's champion. I think if you did the same exercise against Bottas and Perez to say who you think is going to finish higher up, I can't really see anywhere where I'd think Bottas at the moment, which is a shame, but mm-hmm. I think that's just just how it is. I think Perez is 
maybe maybe Qatar. I could see Bottas finishing ahead of Perez, but I think Perez has got him everywhere else. He likes a flat circuit, Bottas. Mm. Um, a question along similar lines. Wesley asks, um, in the past, you've talked about teams taking the risk of a late pit stop in order to grab the fastest lap point. If things stay this tight, do you see the likelihood of those stops increasing? Could Red Bull maybe use Alf Terry to steal that point away from Mercedes? Does Mercedes have anyone they could lean on if you were a Red Bull that had the point? I do agree that I think they're going to start maybe taking those fastest lap points even more seriously as we get down to the real business end. Mm. Whether they'll try and get Alpha Terry to try and nab them, I don't. I don't think that would go down well with F one. Yeah, I think, I think it will always end up falling at the second driver's request. It will always yeah, be Perez so and Bottas well. that they're asking. Um, I, I mean, in the in the sort of second phase of the question of, do Mercedes have anyone? That they could use in the same way Red Bull might want to use Alpha Tauri. I think the short answer is no. No, not not so much. Because their customer cars either wouldn't be interested in playing favourites or aren't fast enough at the minute. Yeah, so I agree. Yeah. Um also it's uh it's a much easier ask for like Perez, can you try and beat Hamilton's fastest lap than it is <laughs> Gasly or Yuki? Can you go yes. and try and in your, you know, it's a good car, but it's not Red Bull or uh, Mercedes good. Yeah. Very true. Uh, Project F1 says, all the focus has been on undercuts, but Aston Martin did a stellar job with an overcut and Vettel even almost got P9. Uh, do you think more people could have tried that strategy? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that they got that to work so well. Um, whereas most of the people, it was the undercut that seemed to be the the one that worked. I think sometimes traffic will be a factor in those kind of scenarios. Yeah. Like if you can see an opportunity to stay out and then ultimately fall into a better gap. Like if you can see someone's trying to undercut you basically and you can see they're falling into traffic what's the point in reacting there and then if if you can see a gap further further on like if things are playing out the way and i mean we talked about talk about strategy a lot we talk about like um the algorithms and the calculations and stuff that go into finding those gaps that's a prime example of it if they can see a better opportunity mm -hmm. to drop somebody out later they'll take it. And I think that might be an element of what worked for Aston Martin and Vettel is finding cleaner air to, to get the most out of those fresh tyres and be able to take advantage. But I mean, it was just a strong drive all around from Vettel on top mm -hmm. of that as well, I think. Yeah. That that definitely helped as well. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Next, Albert says, uh, we've watched a game of chess at 300 kilometres an hour, but what could Mercedes <laughs> have done differently in the mid-game than the Delta plus six move? Honestly, I don't think there was much else they could do. No. The only other option really would have been to try to shadow what Red Bull were doing, but then you end up on tyres the same age for the rest of the race and still in second, and I don't think he'd have had an easier time trying to get past doing it that way. Um, yeah, the other option that Paul mentioned that we talked about in the chat actually the weekend is to try and do the last into the race on medium tyres because I think he did have a fresh set of mediums available. Or possibly yeah, think, a, or a lightly used set of mediums, possibly. Yeah, it, it worked out as well that 
Bottas, uh, sorry, not Bottas, Hamilton and Verstappen both had the same sets of tyres in terms of new tyres, didn't they? Worked out they had the same. But yeah, it would have been interesting. I think that that is the only way that you could have gone is taking advantage of the long medium stint early, like from the first stint, take advantage of the fact that you've then gone quite long on the middle stint as well and gone for a, a medium stint on the end. Yeah, so just Hamilton's... Depend. I just don't know what tyres they had to do it at the time. Hamilton's last stint was 19 laps, so if he could have maybe like pushed his middle stint to two or three laps longer and mm. yeah, and last in the mediums, maybe that could have helped, but... Yeah, I'm still I'm still not sure there was a lot that could have done by that point in the race. Yeah. And next, Michelle says, if you had to pick one driver to finish ahead in a random race, would you pick Bottas or Perez? <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 sort of obliged to say Bottas, but <laughs> that being said, I think Perez I think Perez hasn't had as much success in his career as he has deserved mostly just through yeah. the cars he's been in. So I am very glad to see Perez at the sharp end of the grid and in recent races, like really seem to get his head around that car and like performing at that top level. So I'm I'm happy to be seeing that. Yeah, it's it's a difficult question because there's not a huge amount of context to it. It's just who would I like to see finish yeah. higher than the other? And if I'm if I'm blunt about it, the person I would like to see finish higher is Bottas. But the person I think deserves to finish higher, sorry, Chris, is Perez. <laughs> hey, that's so, fair. No I basically complaints. sat on the fence there, haven't I? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Garrett asks, with five races left, would you put money on George beating Yuki in the standings? This means I need to load up the standings and look I where they both are. Already got them here. Um so hmm. they are currently fourteenth and fifteenth. Yuki is on twenty points, George is on sixteen. So only four points in it. Oh it honestly will really depend on how this weekend result plays out with Yuki Sonoda, I think. Yeah, whether he can like take some momentum from this. Yeah, if he kind of surges from this and has a nice run of points finishes now, then definitely not. I don't think George in the Williams is as good as we always like to think he is. I don't think he's strong enough to consistently finish high enough in the points to beat a Sonoda that's found form. Yeah. However, if Sonoda carries on the way that he had been previous to this weekend then I would say yes. So it, it really the catalyst really is how Sonoda continues after this weekend's result, really. Yeah. It, that's the tipping point is to whether he finds form or not, and depending on how that goes. But I mean, like I say, if, if Sonoda just returns to his old ways, then I could definitely see George overtaking him. I think the other factor is like, if we get a wet race in Mexico or Brazil, because they're probably the two... We're like we're unlikely, not impossible, we're unlikely to get rain in Qatar, Saudi Arabia, or Abu Dhabi. Mexico mm-hmm. and Brazil is a decent chance, and I think, you know, if we have a sort of chaotic wet race, there's a very good chance Russell could get himself enough points to change that. Yeah. It's whether the remaining dry races, you know, are enough for Yuki to offset it. 
in terms of the exact specifics of the question as well, would I put money on it? It genuinely depends on the odds. <laughs> I'm an odds man. Give me 10 to 1 on him doing it. I'll put a fiver on it, 100%. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Felix lastly says, uh, going into the weekend, Merck were the one to beat and had all the momentum from Turkey. But after Max's performance in the race, do you think it's on Red Bull's side now or was Merck just outplayed in the strategy? I think momentum is with Red Bull. I think Mercedes are going to be a bit worried that they've lost this race, which is the, probably the one of the remaining races they most people would have expected them to win. But as we said earlier, like there's been so many times this season where the team we expected to win a race hasn't actually ended up winning it. I, I like, like after that race, part of me was like, "Wow, I think we might have just seen the turning point, and Mercedes aren't going to come back from that." But actually, like we've all seen how the rest of this season has gone, and I just. It's it's predictably unpredictable this season. So it, it is absolutely time for Mercedes to swing everything back in their favour. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I think I'm going to go all stew about this. And I think that winning here in the way that they have is a bit of a omen for the rest of the season. It's like, it's like I've already mm. said, I'm fairly confident now that despite what might happen in the Drivers' Championship, the constructors will go Red Bull's way. Yeah, I think and it's I'd these... Happily, I'd happily go put a bet on that now, going back to odds <laughs> and putting money on things. I'd happily go do that right now. The Drivers' is going to be a little bit closer, but honestly, I think that uncharacteristically, into, from a Lewis Hamilton point of view anyway, Max is, I feel, is making more out of bad situations he's finding himself in than Lewis mm -hmm. is able to. And yeah, that's fair. As I say, that's uncharacteristic for Hamilton because usually it's, oh, well, he's got to start 17th on the grid due to a penalty or something and he'll still win the race. And what we've seen it, this season is more of those scenarios. I mean, I don't think we've seen anything that extreme yet, but more of those types of scenarios, like, for example, Max in Russia, they're, they're falling into Max's hands and mm -hmm. he's taking advantage of those. Uh, and, and I think that might be the kind of thing that makes or breaks it when it comes to the end of the season. Yeah. I think another interesting factor is like these two, two and a half new tracks that we've got for well, the remaining yeah, races. A lot of like, unknown, isn't there? Yeah. And like Hamilton's got a pretty good record of, he often is a bit, slow on a Friday at a new circuit and then he just tends to ramp up and he's got a pretty good record of winning at new circuits. So it's a big factor is going to be how the two drivers and the two teams deal with these unknowns as well. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, like again, we, it's easy to talk like we're coming to the business end. Five races are a lot of races still. Yeah, I, I, th I think just quickly as well, I think that's that's the catalyst again. I keep saying that word today. I don't know. <laughs> Tom's the word catalyst. of the day. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing about this weekend's race is this the unknown situation of the circuit condition in terms of the bumps and stuff. Yeah. And Red Bull being able to handle that situation better than Mercedes. Again, slightly uncharacteristically for Mercedes, but it is what it is, isn't mm -hmm. it? Like It's just the way it falls sometimes. But I think things like that, again, stay in Red Bull's favour, keep that momentum going. And and it's why I think they'll be strong until the end now. Yeah, totally. 
I think that's a good point to uh, to wrap it up for this week. Yeah. Um, a few things to mention. Um, you may have noticed uh, an extra episode dropped in your podcast feed um, this week. Um, we got to sit down and talk to uh, Tony Calderon, who is um, part of a company based in Austin, actually, called Valkyria, who do a lot of really interesting stuff around AI and data and predictive modeling and stuff. So we had a really interesting chat with him um, about kind of all that sort of technology in motorsport, but also the documentary The Gentleman Driver that he was involved in, in his own kind of history involved in motorsport and F1 America, all sorts. So if you've not downloaded that yet, um, really interesting guy. So definitely have a listen to that. Uh, if you want to sort of join us in the in the Discord and stuff and join us in the live recordings that we do these days, um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash back of the grid where you can find out how to get involved in all of that stuff. Speaking of, special thanks to our newest team principals, Paul and Roxy. Thank you guys both very much for all your support. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us any other way, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those things, just search back of the grid and you will find us. If you want to get involved in the Predictions League, even if you have an all-season, there's still a prize every week. So head to backthegrid.com where you can sign up for free and enter your predictions on a website that's working better than ever. Now we've ditched the nightmare we had before and moved on to some shiny new hosting. Off topic, but they sent me a customer satisfaction survey today. No. (laughs) (laughs) That got some very uh, specific feedback. Yeah, I bet it did. (laughs) Yeah, and that, that is everything. So we will be back in a week's time to preview the Mexican Grand Prix as we get into the business end of the season. But until then, thanks everyone for joining us and goodbye. Bye, everyone.